Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. He gets so crazy at times. It sounds like... You yell back at your radio. What are you talking about? What the hell? He gets so angry. You tweet to try and calm him down. Now, he gets an hour all to himself. It's Sparky's Midday Madness on the fan with Steve Sparky Pfeiffer. It is Sparky's Midday Madness on 1250 AM, The Fan. Sparky's still out, and Toby is out as well. Worked a long day, did Mr. Altizer, so we thought we'd give him a little bit of a break. Much deserved. It is IAR Adam Roberts filling in for Sparky today in the Lakeland University studios. Now offering evening and online master's programs. Learn more at lakeland.edu slash get started. Adam Roberts with you. Sam Schmitz doing the producing today as we continue to follow along with the Brewers taking on the Pittsburgh Pirates. Game three of that set at PNC Park. As of right now, they just got rid of the innings runner on the bottom, but I believe they were working their way through the seventh inning. 3-1 3-1 Brewer ball game. Mike Brasso with the two-run shot. And Victor Caratini also with a blast earlier in the game. After the last pitch, of course, make the switch over here to 1250 AM The Fan. For Tim Allen back on the Gene Wagner Plumbing Baseball postgame show, along with Sam a little bit later on today. So yes, I am getting to host Sparky's Midday Madness. This is not the first time that I have hosted the program It is one of the few times, though, that I get to sit on this side of the glass. Of course, you hear me weekdays 10 to 2 on the Wendy's Big Show, usually with Sparky, Gary, and Leroy. We're obviously getting ready for the big road to Canton weekend tomorrow and Saturday. If you didn't know, we've been running it a lot these last couple of weeks. We will be in Canton. Bart Winkler, Gary Ellerson tomorrow, 10 to 2, 11 to 3 for them out in Canton time. And uh, we'll be celebrating all things Leroy Butler tomorrow. And then on Saturday, 7 to 10, Bart Winkler will be live for the Road to Canton show, also out in Canton. You can catch both of those shows here on 1250 and The Fan or by downloading the free Odyssey app and listening to the show that way. So, yeah, I don't get to host this all that often, but Sparky and I have uh, obviously been together for the better part of a year now doing this show. And as you know, if you listen to the program, we talk about a lot of different things when we do Sparky's Midday Madness. Obviously, whenever there's something big going on with the Packers, the Brewers, the Bucks, whatever, that's what we hone in on. But we've talked about a lot of different topics. I remember, I don't remember when this was. I think it was back in the spring. Sparky and I, we were going to do a full show. I think it was on the Bucks. And then someone called in and talked about hog wrestling. And we talked about hog wrestling for 45 minutes. Another show, we asked what the best fish fry location in the area was for you. And we got about 50 responses on Twitter at 1250 AM, the fan to that. So we bounce around. We talk about a lot of different things on this show. If you know me in my time here at 1250 AM, the fan, you know that I am a big hockey guy. I always have been really into the sport, even though my ability to play it is roughly about C tier at best. I know how to skate, and I've been around a stick and a puck for a long time. 
And unfortunately, I do root for the Toronto Maple Leafs, who find new ways to disappoint me that Brewers fans can't even imagine. The Leafs have, uh, put it. let's put it in context, the Brewers have been in existence since 1970, technically 69 if you count the Pilots. Okay, still haven't won a World Series. The Maple Leafs have been around for over 100 years and haven't won a championship since 1967. Pain, 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 pain. They used to be called the Toronto St. Pats. They should be the Toronto St. Pains. I'd buy that jersey, too, because I still have my Ty Domi jersey hanging up in my closet, so I'm willing to spend money on that team no matter what they do to me. Heck, I'm wearing my Brewers hat right now. So obviously, I would like to say I know a thing or two about the sport of hockey. And that's why I got excited when I found out a while ago, Dario Melendez, Channel 12, was the one who got the inside scoop on the news that Pfizer Forum was going to be hosting an NHL preseason hockey game. And yesterday, we got the official release from Pfizer Forum and the Chicago Blackhawks that that was indeed going to be the case. They are calling it the Home Away From Home series, and I've got thoughts on the naming of that that I'll get to in just a second. So the Blackhawks will be playing the Minnesota Wild, very apt opponent, I would say, on October 2nd, sort of a meeting right in the middle between the two teams. It'll be October 2nd with the Deer District festivities as well. They're going to be opening up the whole kit and caboodle for this thing. They've got a 3 p.m. opening for the district. Fans are going to be piling in. Game starts at 5. It is a preseason game. I know there had been some talk about maybe they would actually do a regular season game there. That uh, is not going to be the case. It'll be October 2nd preseason. Okay. And it's going to be the first time that a hockey game of an NHL caliber level has been played in the city since I was learning how to babble around as a baby and crawl on my hands and knees. 1993 is the last time a hockey game was played in the city of Milwaukee at the then Bradley Center, which of course no longer exists. But that facility was built in many ways to host not just the Milwaukee Bucks, NBA basketball team, give them a replacement for the Mecca, but also to attract an NHL team. For those of you who have been around the area long enough, you can remember a time when the Pettit family wanted to bring National League hockey to the city of Milwaukee back in the late 80s when the Bradley Center was constructed. A lot of money was thrown in on the attempt to try and get a hockey team to the city. Never ended up happening. Now, if you'll recall, a little while ago on the Wendy's Big Show, we did a topic based around what sports franchise you would want to come to the state of Wisconsin because Leroy Butler, who will be honoring tomorrow and Saturday again here on The Fan, is trying to get a WNBA basketball team to come to Pfizer Forum. And while we were doing that topic, we got a lot of people when we asked what franchise or what league do you want to come to either Milwaukee or the state of Wisconsin, a lot of people said the NHL in addition to the MLS, WNBA, and then a pro PGA Tour event. And when we were talking about bringing a hockey team to the city of Milwaukee, it seemed like everyone who answered was like, it's time. We can support it. We could market it really easily. People would go to the games. It would be great. Now, here's the thing. I think I've made it very clear. I love hockey. I go to Admirals games. I went to Admirals games before I moved here. When I was living in La Crosse, I would make road trips to visit my family up in Fond du Lac, then drive down 41, go to Panther Arena, and go to Admirals games. I have my Milwaukee fish fry shirt that I wear unironically when I go around. I'm going to be wearing it in Texas, and I'm hopeful that people will ask questions about it. But I don't know if a hockey team in Milwaukee will work. And the reason for that is, well, it's, there's multiple. So first of all, the NHL in 2022 is a much different NHL than it was in the late 80s, the last time we tried to do this. The last time, I believe the relocation or the expansion fee for a new team coming to the city would have been about $50 million or so, because I believe it was around that time, I want to say the San Jose Sharks came into the league in 1991 because the North Stars, they sold... They ended up going down to Dallas, but then an expansion franchise came to San Jose. And their entry fee for was $50 million, I believe, in 1991. Last year, the Seattle Kraken 
were the newest expansion franchise to the National Hockey League. You know what they paid for their entry fee as an expansion team? Not a relocation. It's not like a team from Atlanta or Columbus or somewhere like that moved there. It was an expansion fee. You know how much they paid? $650 million. Basically a tax to say we exist. I don't know where that $650 million would come from, and I don't think there's anybody around here who's got that kind of cash to bring in an expansion team. So your next best option is hoping for some kind of relocation. And that puts me into a mental conundrum. Because we saw what happened when the St. Louis Rams went out to Los Angeles and the mess that that was. And obviously the emotional feelings left behind by that city that did care for their team, but they lost it. So if you're going to have an NHL team relocate to Milwaukee, that means you have to take a team by proxy from somewhere else. And that's hard to rationalize because right now I would say the most likely candidate would be the Arizona Coyotes. And again, I know we don't talk a lot about hockey on 1250 AM The Fan, but I've got thoughts about this. The Coyotes are in a messy, 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 messy situation. They are currently playing, or planning to play anyway, in the Arizona State University Sun Devils Arena. Because the Gia, the Gia River Arena, downtown Phoenix, they don't want them. They are a team without a home and an absolute mess of a situation. But they still have a very loyal base. And if there's any city that knows about what it means to be on the verge of a team leaving and then thankfully sticking around, it would be the city of Milwaukee. The Bucks. It's happened multiple times. The Brewers, it's happened multiple times. So we know what it's like to be so close to losing it, and thankfully not. Now take that to the next step and take a team away from a community, and that even that amplifies things tenfold. It doesn't matter if the team isn't really doing well financially or they haven't won in a while. People still go out and support these teams. Now granted, attendance for Arizona games and you know you have teams in Florida for crying out loud. Now, the Tampa Bay Lightning, they're Stanley Cup winners multiple times, and arguably, had they taken care of business, they could have defeated the Avalanche this year, but they didn't. People love their teams, and they don't want them taken away. So expansion doesn't seem, expansion doesn't seem likely, and relocation doesn't seem likely either. So this is about as good as it's going to get, I would say. And for people who might think, well, maybe are they playing this game in Milwaukee, the Blackhawks and the Wild, to use it as a litmus test, possibly, to see, okay, well, can we fill Pfizer Forum full of people who love hockey? And then that will be like, okay, yes, we filled Pfizer with hockey fans. Now, that is the cue. Let's get this ball rolling. We know people will support a hockey team if it's playing a game in Milwaukee. Let's get the ball rolling. I'd argue that's not the case either. I would argue that this is, in all intents and purposes, Rocky Wirtz, the owner of the Blackhawks, deciding, hey, we are the Chicago Blackhawks. In the last 10 years, we've won three Stanley Cups. Now, we're not doing great now, but we know that Chicago fans travel really well up to Milwaukee. So why don't we flex our muscle a little bit and decide that, hey, we can go up to Pfizer Forum and fill that place with 70% Blackhawks fans. We can prove to Gary Bettman and everybody else we don't need another team 90 miles, an hour and a half, two hours in bad traffic north of Chicago because we've got the whole southern part of Lake Michigan under wraps. Probably. So if you, And I say this again as someone who loves hockey. I'm a Maple Leafs fan, but I'm telling you, Sam, if a Milwaukee team ever came to Pfizer Forum, and maybe this is going to make me a bad fan, I would immediately buy the Milwaukee whatevers Wear that sweater six days a week if I don't get anything like mustard or ketchup on it. And be proud to be a fan of the Milwaukee whatevers. And Toronto Maple Leafs, yeah, you had me. But I've got a team five minutes from my house now. I'm going to support them. It's a shame that we can't have hockey in the state of Wisconsin because I do think it is a sport that... I feel like before I even went to college, I saw a bunch of people like you know playing hockey that I wouldn't even guess did... I didn't realize it was as popular as it was among the people of my age at the time. And on top of that, I come back home to, you know, the town that I grew up in just to visit my parents and all that. And what do I see at the bottom of the driveway? It's, you know, kids playing hockey over a frozen pond. Exactly. So I do think like 
I do think like outside of Wisconsin, people don't realize like how much this state actually does appreciate hockey. But I just think the whole part of you know springboarding, getting a team based off of what happens in this Blackhawks Wild game, it might be a little diluted, I guess, because at the same time you're going to get a lot of Blackhawks fans, you're going to get a lot of Minnesota Wild fans. I mean, how many of those people are actually just going to be from? the state of Wisconsin that don't already cheer for those teams. Oh, they're going to be traveling for miles. And right. like I said, that whole area of Chicago, it's Blackhawks Central. Now they're mad at their team right now. I, I When I was scrolling through all of the Blackhawks tweets related to this game, it's just a bunch of, oh, I won't go up there. I don't want to support the Wirtz family. I don't want to do this. I don't want to do that. Yeah, you're going to go. Because believe it or not, I was looking at tickets for this game. Now, the uh, official sale, if you are interested in going, does not start until tomorrow, I believe at 10 a.m., but there's a pre-sale right now if you're interested. So I happened to take a look. Pre-sale tickets right now are going for about $53 for the quote-unquote worst possible seats. But if you've been to Pfizer, you know that there really aren't that many bad seats in that arena. You can see pretty much everything from any angle of that facility. So 53 bucks. I'm telling you, as a Maple Leafs fan, the half the reason, other than them being in a whole other country, that I never get to see their games is because no matter whether it's home or away, every single time, it's $90 minimum to sit in the worst part of the arena to see your team possibly blow a 3-1 lead in the third period. So $53, and for people who live in Chicago, cost of living's a little bit higher. That's not terrible. Although I did hear from some friends who are thinking about going to the game that uh, Ticketmaster... Lord of mercy, don't get me started about them. They are having their, you know, service price, their service fees, if you will, on the $40 tickets they're offering, rounding it up to about $70 plus after service fees and taxes. It's ridiculous. Hockey is a sport that does not have a big audience on the national TV scale, so they got to make their money somehow. But man, it is difficult to rationalize. Like, at least with the Brewers. And I know people on this station and others talk about how it's getting expensive to go to Brewer games nowadays, myself included. But you can still get a seat, even if it's in the 400s. You can still get a seat to a Brewers-Reds game this weekend, probably for about four or five bucks. You would not be getting a bad seat to a Milwaukee Whatever's NHL game for $4. Guaranteed that would not be the case. So if you want to check out the game, it's going to be, again, October 2nd, Blackhawks Wild, coming to Fiserv Forum. I'm still unsure if I'll be able to go because I don't know what my schedule is going to be like. But if I have availability, I will definitely check it out. Or at least I'll be in the Deer District seeing what the vibe is like because I feel it's going to be very, very fun to be there. I just don't know if we should be looking more into this than necessarily what is there, which is it's a preseason game for Chicago about an hour and a half north of the United Center. It's Sparky's Midday Madness on 1250 AM The Fan. I'm A.R. Adam Roberts. That's Sam Schmitz. We'll be back in just a bit here on 1250. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. AM, the fan. It is Sparky's Midday Madness. Correction, it is 
AR's hour of power. I don't know. I'm workshopping it. Here on 1250 AM, The Fan, AR Adam Roberts, Sam Schmitz producing, doing an excellent job getting me. Normally, I am back there doing a lot of the work, so Sammy's got the uh, Gene Wagner Plumbing Baseball postgame show coming up, Fan Afternoon show a little bit later. A lot of people getting lots of hours here this week at 1250 AM, The Fan, all doing great work for us. We were talking a little bit about the NHL coming to Milwaukee via a preseason Blackhawks game. Blackhawks will be taking on the Minnesota Wild coming up on October the 2nd. We do have a question up at 12.50 a.m. The Fan on uh, Twitter, I should specify. We're asking, will you be attending this game at Fiserv? And I specifically want to hear from people, and we'll run this up throughout the show today before... We get to either the post-game show or the fan afternoon show, whatever this 3-3 ball game decides it wants to do. Pirates got two more runs. It is the top of the ninth, nobody out. And the Brewers do have a runner on second base as Hunter Renfro is Ooh. coming to bat. Wow. Laying down a nice little bunt. And he moves the runner over to third. As I know, cardinal sin, don't do play-by-play -play when you're doing a show. But that was a no. very nice bunt. Very nice bunt by Renfro. He moves the runner over to third, so one out. 3-3 ball game. It looked like they were going to have some rain coming into Pittsburgh, which, as is tradition. So hopefully we can avoid that. Uh, top of the ninth, one out, 3-3 ball game, Brewers and Pirates. But uh, before I do the next thing I wanted to do on Midday Madness here today, specifically I wanted to hear on our question at 12.50 a.m. the fan on Twitter, I wanted to hear from non-hockey fans, people who don't necessarily have a familiarity 100% uh, with the sport, on whether or not this would be something that you would want to check out. Evan tweets at 12.50 a.m. the fan, and he will be showing up in his Badger hockey jersey. Exactly. That's another thing I didn't mention. We know that Wisconsin Badger hockey is very much liked and enjoyed in this state. At the uh, old station I used to work at at Lacrosse, I've said it before when we were talking about this on the big show, we carried Wisconsin Badger hockey games, and when we were not going to carry them because we'd have preemptive programming or some reason, People would tweet me directly or call our station and say, hey, where's the Badger hockey game? I was looking forward to that. So people are genuinely very interested in hockey in the state. We just don't have an NHL team because the Wirtz family doesn't want that kind of smoke, if you're asking me. And then we've got, of course, the Wild three hours away, and they do just fine. Though, in my honest opinion, I think their fans usually only come up when they're doing well. Because I never see Minnesota Wild jerseys around. And I've been up to Minneapolis plenty. That's Viking country up there. Although it is, of course, the state of hockey. And whenever they do that uh, high school hockey event, when they have the all-hair team, that YouTube video that they do every single year, that always gets a ton of run as well. So again, if you want to tweet uh, at us at 1250 AM, the fan answer our question about whether or not you're interested in showing up for this preseason hockey match, you can, of course, do so at 12.50 a.m. the fam. But I did want to touch on another subject that I don't think has been brought up yet on this station, and uh, understandably so, because it's been a very busy seven days for us. With we got Packer training camp going on. We've got the Brewers and the trade deadline fiasco. Now you've got them losing their first two of three to the Pirates and hopefully not going to be losing the third, but you know, it's still up in the air. But we haven't yet touched on the passing of Vin Scully which did happen this week, and honestly, that kind of caught me completely off guard. I knew that you know, Scully was getting up there in years. I believe he was born in 1927, so you just do the mental math. That's 95 this year. So obviously, he was getting up there in years, but up until a few years ago, he was still calling games for the Dodgers and doing a damn good job at doing it. The man has been calling, had been calling games for that team since 1950, back when they were still in Brooklyn, and then he took over and moved with them to L.A. and became one of the most recognizable figures, not just for that team, but in the entire world of baseball. And so to honor the passing of Vin Scully and the life that he led, I did a little digging and was able to compile some interesting calls. And uh, I've got a few of them that I have here queued up, and we'll run through some of them, uh, starting with the oldest one I could find. And it's a pretty memorable one. We're going back to 1974. The baseball world was ensconced in everything related to Henry Aaron that season. He, of course, longtime member of the Milwaukee Braves. His statue is outside of American Family Field. 
They had moved on in 66 to Atlanta, and now the story nationally was him chasing Babe Ruth's vaunted home run record. And on a uh, muggy night, I'm sure, at Fulton County Stadium, he did just that, eclipsing the mark and doing so with Scully behind the mic for it, audio courtesy of KABC Radio. Aaron waiting, the outfield deep and straight away. Fastball is a high drive into deep left center field. Buckner goes back to the fence. It is gone. What a marvelous moment for baseball. What a marvelous moment for Atlanta and the state of Georgia. What a marvelous moment for the country and the world. A black man is getting a standing ovation in the deep south for breaking a record of an all-time baseball idol. That's the crazy thing, too. Again, audio courtesy of KABC Radio Los Angeles. Remember, Henry Aaron was getting death threats chasing after this record. People did not want an African-American taking away the home run record of Babe Ruth, New York Yankee, former Boston Brave. They didn't want that to happen, and they were sending legitimate death threats and letters to him saying they would do awful things. In fact, it was so bad that if you watch the video of him hitting that home run and you've got uh, all of the Braves coming out to home plate, you also see people like run, jump out of the stadium and like are running as he's going from second to third. He said in subsequent interviews, he very briefly thought that they were like going to attack him. They weren't. They were just coming down to like get their moment, Tap him on the shoulder. Congratulations. Oh, what an amazing moment. But he legitimately thought that they were coming after him, which is absolutely crazy to think about happening now if an athlete tried to set a major record in any sport, that sort of thing. Of course, security, you'd think, would never let that happen, but stranger things, of course, have happened. Next one I have is another very iconic moment. It's 1986. It's the World Series. It's Game 6, Shea Stadium. New York City, well, technically flushing New York. Boston Red Sox, New York Mets, take it away. Little roller up along first, behind the bag, it gets through Buckner. Here comes Knight, and the Mets win it. That audio from NBC Sports, still amazing to think. We, of course, as Brewers fans, remember 2019, the ball rolling in right field as the Nationals would go on then to win their World Series during that postseason. But the magnitude of that play, Bill Buckner lets it get through his two legs. I know, I remember I was watching on ESPN once, I think they did one of their sports sciences on that moment and how statistically impossible it would be for that to happen. But it did. And the rest is history. Buckner was not... Really welcome in Boston for a while after that, but of course, they were able to rectify things there. Now, I got another one. This one is uh, not a famous or historical moment. This is not a, you know, a Henry Aaron or a Bill Buckner. This is from a Los Angeles broadcast, uh, the audio, again, courtesy of KABC out in Los Angeles. This was from a interleague game, I believe, because the Brewers at the time were in the American League and the Dodgers, obviously, in the NL. So this was during a 1984 game between the Brewers and the Dodgers, just some back and forth between Vin and Jerry Dodgett, who did games with him back in the day. And I just thought it was very interesting and very showing of the uh, candor and back and forth those two had. Rene Latchman is the youngest manager in the American League, but he's sure grown old in a hurry this year. He hasn't lost his sense of humor, though. On his answering machine, the telephone answering machine at home, he's got a message on it when he's not there that says, Hello, you've reached Captain Nemo, and I'm 20,000 leagues under the sea. <laughs> Boy, you need a good sense of humor to, to see what has happened to the Brewers this year. They started today 25 games back. I should clip that one right there, that uh, little thing right at the end. It sounds very apt. Let me see if I can run it back. Boy, you need a good sense of humor to, to see what has happened to the Brewers. I'm going to save that one in case uh, this game doesn't end up going the way of the Brewers. Looks like we have, uh, by the way, entered the bottom of the ninth now for Milwaukee. Devin Williams back on the mound, trying to get things straightened away. As uh, last I checked, and Sam, you've, you've got the TV on back there. Uh, I was looking down. 
Uh, is it still 3-3? It is. Unfortunately, the Brewers had the bases loaded, but we grounded out into a key Brian Hayes double play. So, hmm. right up right up par for the Brewers right now. Man, oh man, oh man. Runners in scoring position. It's a beautiful thing. So, yeah, 3-3, bottom of the ninth, and uh, we'll obviously keep you informed here on 1250 AM The Fan. As always, after the last pitch, you make the switch to the Gene Wagner Plumbing Baseball postgame show. One more clip I wanted to play, and uh, let me see. I actually didn't bring this one. Oh, that's nah, fine. It's fine. I do have one more uh, Scully clip I wanted to play, and then I'll uh, wrap up this conversation. We'll hear from Kyle Glazer, who talked with Taro and Toby Altizer on The Big Show about uh, everything that's been going on with this Brewers team. Also touched a little bit on Jackson Churio, who if you heard um, Chris Maring when he was on earlier today, he had glowing things to say about Churio, as many people do. And Glazer had a very interesting take on where Churio stands in the ranks of not just prospects with the Brewers organization, but across Major League Baseball. So we'll get to that in just a minute. But I did want to play one final Scully clip uh, in tribute to Vin, who passed away earlier this week. This was from 1993, the year that I graced Fond du Lac with my presence. Joe Carter, 1993. We've all heard the call, touch them all, Joe. You'll never hit a bigger home run a day in your life. But as uh, would happen, Vin was doing, uh, this is from CBS. So Vin actually was uh, also hired to do World Series radio, kind of on a national level, like you'll have games on ESPN radio, where you have your national crew, etc., so this was Vin on CBS Radio with a little bit of a rare call of that Joe Carter home run. Henderson at second, Molitor at first, one out of the ninth, 6-5 Philadelphia. Stottlemyre and Castillo throwing in case of extra innings. Fastball is hit to left field, down the line, in the corner, home run! Again, that audio, CBS Radio, 1993, Joe Carter touches them all, the Toronto Blue Jays, Tim Shea's Toronto Blue Jays, defeat the Philadelphia Phillies on a walk-off home run. To my knowledge, that is the most recent walk-off home run in baseball history to win a World Series. Joe Carter touching them all. So uh, that was just uh, something I wanted to do for us here on Sparky's Midday Madness. It is the show or uh, Sparky will normally do just whatever he wants. <laughs> like I said, I've talked about hog wrestling on the show. Well, today I talked about preseason hockey. We're talking about the legendary Vin Scully passing away. And uh, if you want to get in on anything, I'll take uh, your calls as well. I, remember, I know that I have not really pimped the number out very much, but it is 414-677-1250. 414-677-1250. If you want to jump in on the conversation about preseason hockey coming to Milwaukee, if you have a memory of Vin Scully that you want to talk about, that's more than fine for me as well. I'm Adam Roberts. That is Sam Schmitz doing the producing today. When we come back, we will run back that Kyle Glazer from earlier today on the Wendy's Big Show, talking Brewers baseball as we continue to await the results from Pittsburgh at PNC Park, bottom of the ninth, 3-3 ball game. It's Sparky's Midday Madness on 1250 AM, The Fan. It's Sparky's Midday Madness on 1250 AM, The Fan. AR Adam Roberts filling in for Sparky today. Sam Schmitz doing the producing as we continue to await the finish of this Brewers-Pirates game. It is now going extras on a cloudy day at PNC Park. 3-3 ball game. An absolutely horrible base running decision by the Pittsburgh Pirates. A little knock into right field. Brian Reynolds, rounding first, inexplicably gets pegged out by Colton Wong. So it's a 3-3 ball game, top of the 10th. It will be Tyrone Taylor taking second base. And uh, look who will be hitting in place of Christian Yelich. Do you remember Keston Hira? He is back batting for the Brewers with a chance to bring in the go-ahead run. Uh, Christian Yelich ejected earlier in the game. I didn't even realize. Apparently, I uh, was talking with Tim Allen, host of the Gene Wagner Plumbing Baseball post-game show during the break. He said that Yelich uh, was not happy with a call by the home plate umpire and it was not the first time. So the umpire basically said, you, you done, and send him away, which is not the first time that's happened to Yelich this season. But uh, yeah, that's why he's gone. So here a batting in his place, trying to bring in Tyrone Taylor from second and put the Brewers ahead in the top of the 10th inning. Hey, don't miss a moment of 1250 AM The Fan. You can download the free Odyssey app and take 1250 AM The Fan wherever you go. 
Subscribe to the uh, Wendy's Big Show, Bart Winkler Morning Show, Fan Afternoon Show, and all the great programming we have here at 1250 AM The Fan on the Odyssey app today. All right, so we're going to take a listen again to uh, Kyle Glaser, who joined us from Baseball America, national writer. He was on the Wendy's Big Show earlier today. And uh, Toby Altizer, hardworking Toby Altizer, I might add, he talked with Kyle, and obviously with a national writer, Toby was very interested to get a national perspective on the insanity of the trade deadline for Milwaukee trading away Josh Hader for a couple of uh, prospects and uh, Taylor Rogers and Nelson Lamette, who, of course, is no longer with the organization. Well, he's, he could still be a part of the organization, but he's been DFA. So uh, Toby wanted to get a outsider's national perspective on the whole situation. And here is what Kyle Glaser from Baseball America had to say. Yeah, I think when you first see a team that's in first place in their division trading a closer of Josh Hader's stature, it certainly makes you raise your eyebrows a little bit because it's a seller kind of move as opposed to a buyer kind of move. But at the same time, you understand the Brewers seeing a situation where they have a lot of really good bullpen arms where they feel like they can withstand the loss of Hader and maybe use this opportunity to fill in some other holes. Um, you know, you have Devin Williams. I actually thought the Matt Bush acquisition later in the day really helped shore up the back of the bullpen. He very quietly has been really, really, really good. So you're still looking at a team with an excellent bullpen that's in position to contend for the division title. And they also added some pieces that could help them in both the present and future. So when you look at the trade a little deeper, you understand it, even though on the surface, it's certainly kind of surprising. So then I would, I guess I would ask, did they get enough for him? Because we don't feel like they did, but you know, you're going to know the prospects that they got a little bit more than us. Did they get enough for Josh Hader? Um, so, so in my view, it's it's a little light, especially given that they DFA'd to Nelson Lamette. That's mm-hmm. the thing that surprised me. To me, to make this move make sense, you have to believe that you can get Taylor Rogers right. You're hoping that you can keep Nelson Lamette healthy because when he's healthy. He's locked down. I mean, he's been really, really good. He just needs to get healthy and get used to pitching in the bullpen. You know, Asturi Ruiz and Robert Gasser, um, I mean, they could potentially help down the road, but neither of these guys are, are two studs. To me, it's for the move to make sense. It's really about Rodgers and Lamette, but then them DFAing Lamette. That's where, for me, it tells me they must have thought much higher of Ruiz and Gasser than the rest of the industry. Well, and that's what I, I'm wondering. The Lamette thing makes no sense to me, and we, we tried to make sense of that yesterday, and I don't think anyone could figure it out. But then looking at Gasser and Ruiz, what are they getting in those guys? Because I think the Brewers think that Ruiz might be able to help the big league ball club a little bit this year. Otherwise, you know, he's in AAA, so I'd assume he's going to be with them next year, if nothing else. And then Gasser, they called an underrated arm. Is that something that was, you know, generally considered to be the case or is this something that the brewers are maybe reaching a little bit i think both can be true at the same time so with Asturi ruiz um he's always been a really really kind of a good sleek athletic player with big tools big power speed and really good base running and strengths that power speed combo has always intrigued people um just for four years he showed no semblance of plate discipline whatsoever swung at everything this year he came back really really honed in on the approach and started swinging at better pitches which is what fueled this breakout year um at the same time we have a track record of four years of him swinging at everything and about three months of him showing an approach so you have to really 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 believe this improved approach is going to stick um the other thing with him is he's a converted second baseman he's still learning to play the outfield the roots and reads are just kind of fair at this point that there's still ways to go here. Now he's only 23. He has tools. He saw the ability to make adjustments. He's a hard worker. So, you know, there's things to like, but most people still have a hard time seeing him as a true everyday player, just because they question the approach and if he's really going to hit enough against good big league pitching, you know, and Gasser, he's an athletic lefty. He's got some stuff, um, you know, fastball up to 95, a nice little cutter, kind of a wide breaking, breaking ball, you know, good athlete throws strikes, but there's not really a plus pitch in there. It's more pitchability, left-handed. Um, at the same time, the Brewers have done a good job helping those guys take a jump. You know, Eric Lauer was, was similarly a guy who didn't have anything plus, and the Brewers were able to help him take a jump and become a really good uh, mid-to-back rotation starter. So I think it's a situation with that one where you're hoping the Brewers help him take a jump. There's good ingredients, but the stuff is presently seen as a little light to be anything more than a fourth starter. Talking with Kyle Glazer, baseball writer for Baseball America. One question I have then going off of 
an earlier comment you made about Taylor Rogers and Denelson Lamette being the main reason they do this. Taylor Rogers, I believe, is only on a one-year deal, and they would have had another year of arbitration with Josh Hader. So it wasn't if if they were forced to make the move now. Do you think that Taylor Rogers is someone that they're going to plan on extending and keeping around in Milwaukee past this season? I think that's going to depend on how he pitches for them. He was really, really, really good early this season and really, really, really bad in recent weeks. You know, if he comes out and shows that, hey, he can get back to being the guy he was early this season and showed himself to be in previous seasons. You know, he was a pretty good reliever. He had some really good years there, uh, especially, you know, 17, 18, 19, and and 2021, the full season. So, you know, that can make it an appealing option. But if uh, he continues to struggle like he had in the days leading up to the trade, then there's not too much of a reason to extend him. So then looking at the National League as a whole now, uh, you know, we talked with some Brewers beat writers and asked them if they're better today than they were, you know, before the trade deadline. They said no. So then looking at some teams that improved and the Padres and obviously all the flurry of moves they made, Where do the Brewers rank among National League teams now, and has that changed since the trade deadline? I don't think there's any argument that they're any better than the fifth-best team in the NL. I mean, the Dodgers, Mets, Braves, and Potters are just better teams with substantially more talent at this point. Um, You know, the Phillies and Cardinals are right behind them, and and I think the Cardinals, especially with some of the moves they made to short back the rotation – wouldn't shock me if they jumped them. And, and that's the thing about all this that surprises me. You know, I mentioned that I think I understood why long-term value play, they feel like they can get, you know, good bullpen production now and trade hater. But to me, as a first-place team in the division title hunt, trying to not just get to the postseason but advance further into the postseason, you know, are you more likely to do that with Josh Hader on your team or without him? And, and the answer is you are more likely to do that with Hader on your team. And, and while this package – Again, I understand what they did. It's not the kind of package where you say, oh, man, this is the best we're ever going to get. We're never going to get better than this. We need to do this right now. Um, I don't think these moves made them a better team, and I I think ultimately they are firmly um, behind the pack in terms of the best in the NL. They're more in that fifth, sixth, seventh best team range now. So, I mean, we saw a team last year in the Braves kind of, they weren't necessarily the top team in the National League, and they went on a run to win the World Series. Do you see them having a chance of maybe doing that here in Milwaukee this year? Not really, because the Braves did that by being aggressive buyers at the deadline. They went out and got an entirely new outfield. They traded away a bunch of prospects to go get, I mean, literally four new starting outfielders, and they also beefed up their bullpen. Um, The Brewers' biggest move was a sell move, trading away someone. So um, I don't think that's going to be the similar case. Yeah, I mean, if you're trying to make me feel better, Kyle, you're definitely not doing it. Uh, <laughs> with so these I answers. have to be straightforward and honest. <laughs> <laughs> no, I appreciate it. I do. So then looking at it, do you think that David Stearns looked at this team before the trade deadline and part of the reason he made those moves was thinking that maybe they'll have a better chance in years to come as opposed to this season and that's why he does that? Or do you really think that they still believe that they can win a World Series this year and I, I, I just can't understand the hater move. I'm sorry. I just can't get it. But do you think that they don't believe that they have a World Series team? Yes, I think. And I think that's truthfully kind of an honest assessment, an accurate assessment. I think with Josh Hader, were they more likely to get there? Yes, but I still wouldn't have said that it was extremely likely. Again, when you look at this lineup in particular and compare it to the Dodgers, the Padres, the Mets, um, you know, the Mets have struggled at times a little bit, and the Braves, now they've brought Michael Harris up, and some of their guys are finding their stride. Um, you know, I, I don't think this was a Brewers team that was truly a World Series contender. At the same time, there's nothing wrong with trying to maximize your chances, and, and I think having Josh Hader on hand would have helped them do that. So then let's look at some of these Brewers prospects. Do you think that we will see any of these guys coming up? I, I doubt at the end of this year, but... Is there any chance that we're going to see some of these guys in AAA now with Freilich and Weimer and Garrett Mitchell making a big impact for the Brewers next season with a big league club? I think there's certainly a chance they will. Um, you know, Joey Weimer is a really, really interesting prospect. He's, he's kind of funky. He does some things differently, but man, the ball comes off his bat hot. And he's a good athlete. He does some good things for you defensively, plays really hard sometimes a little too reckless out there and runs into walls or other defenders and needs to tone that down a little bit. But, um, you know, he's, he's the kind of guy that I could see definitely coming up and providing this team a spark, even though he's probably going to have some adjustments to make with his swing against big league pitching. 
Um, you know, Garrett Mitchell, he's more of a guy, I think, that you really rely on the speed and defense component. Um, he, he's never really hit, doesn't project to hit. He's more of the raw athlete, great defender type. You know, and South Freelick is kind of the opposite of that. He's kind of, you know, a smaller, undersized guy, but the dude can just hit. So I think when you take all of them together, they all have, you know, different skill sets, um, but they can all do something that could help this team next year, no question. Two more here for you, talking with Kyle Glazer from Baseball America. Jackson Churio has really come on this season and has shot up the prospect rankings. Has that surprised you? Is that someone that maybe you saw doing something like this, and is it sustainable? Yeah, I mean, coming into the year, you know, we knew that he was a, a top international signing out of Venezuela. I mean, keep in mind, he was a Brewers top 10 prospect without ever playing a single game stateside. So you knew there was a lot of talent there, but anytime you're talking about 17-year-old international signees, it's it's a pretty risky profile. We started getting real buzz about him during uh, minor league spring training. I did a piece on some standouts in minor league camp, and he really was jumping out to scouts, not just for his tools, but his polish, some of the plays he was making at a young age. And then once we got to Carolina, it was, okay, this is extremely loud tools. It's advanced polish, advanced feel in a lot of ways. Like every young player has some things he needs to work on, goes through some stretches where he you know, needs to work on his aggressiveness. But keep in mind, this guy is 18 years old. He would have been in the draft this year. And he's already in high A crushing. Um, this is someone who has a chance to be one of the best prospects in baseball. He already is one of the best prospects in baseball, but we've had these conversations internally at BA. You know, if he continues to hit like he has at high A, which is the first level the pitching kind of gets real, the pitching in low A right now is atrocious. If he continues to hit high A, he's going to have a case for a top five prospect in baseball and, and maybe even number one prospect in baseball. He's that good. Well, that gets me excited. So that's at least something positive you said for me today, Kyle. Uh, last one for you. Looking at the Major League Baseball landscape as a whole after the trade deadline is passed now, who would you pick as your favorites to meet in the World Series? Yeah, I mean, I think the Yankees are still the team to beat in the American League. Uh, their acquisition of Frankie Matas is, is really, really good and strong for them. Um, you know, I also really like what the Astros did, getting Trey Mancini from the Orioles and an absolute steal. The Orioles, uh, that was just a horrendous mistake on their part, um, trading him away. You know, the National League, it's interesting. I actually think the Dodgers failed to upgrade what they needed most. They really needed some back-end bullpen help. They didn't get it, and I think that could come back to bite them. Um, the Mets and Padres, you know, got better. They added players to make them better. I think the gap in the NL is closed now. Um, I'd probably still pick the Dodgers, but I think, you know, a Yankees versus, you know, Yankees and Astros, and then one of Mets, Dodgers, uh, Mets, Padres, Dodgers, excuse me. That's where I think it's going to come from when we get to October. There you heard from Kyle Glaser, baseball writer for, well, national writer for Baseball America. Joined the Wendy's Big Show, myself and Toby Altizer earlier. Big praise for Jackson Churio, top five prospect in baseball. 18 years old in the eyes of Kyle Glazer. That is certainly high praise. And we again heard from Chris Murley earlier today on the Wendy's Big Show, also with plenty of praise for Churio as well. Wanted to provide an update. We have moved to the bottom of the 10th inning. Colton Wong hit by a pitch with the bases loaded. So it's 4-3 Milwaukee and new acquisition Matt Bush will be on for the bottom of the 10th. Of course, the runner will be at second, as is the new situation for baseball. So Brian Reynolds batting in the DH spot will be up for the Pirates as they try to either tie it or win it down 4-3 to the Brewers. We'll come back in a bit. It's Sparky's Midday Madness with A.R. Adam Roberts here on 1250 AM The Fan. In double cheddar cheese, Kevin Holden from the Fan Afternoon Show getting in on the vocal traditions of the uh, Night's Gourmet Popcorn Draft Mockery, which I was told had a little historical ha thing happen the other day. It is uh, Sparky's Midday Madness here on 1250 AM The Fan. AR Adam Roberts alongside Sam Schmitz trying to take you to the end of this Brewers game, and it is not looking good right now. 4-4 tie game. A Brian Reynolds ground rule double scored in the given runner at second, and now Matt Bush in a bind. One out, bases loaded, Bottom of the 10th, Chavez up in the sixth spot for the Pirates. Again, after the last pitch, you make the switch here on 1250 AM. The fan to the Gene Wagner Plumbing Baseball postgame show. And uh, Sam, you've been watching this right along with me. Uh, Matt Bush, two appearances so far since the Josh Hader trade. Well, he wasn't a part of the trade, but since the deadline, I mean. And uh, the uh, first outing was so-so, and uh, all signs right now are not great for Bush. 
and I realized I don't have your pot on. That is my fault. No, it's all right. It happens. I've done it before. <laughs> um, no, I mean, it's frustrating right now. I mean, just makes you wonder what's going to happen with this Brewers team going into the playoffs if they do get in there. Because right now, I mean, Adrian Hauser is looking like he's going to be making a rehab start soon, mm-hmm. and hopefully he'll be back sooner than later. But that means that you're going to have to go into the postseason with putting one, if not both, of your back end starting pitchers in the bullpen. So and there is a wild pitch, oh, wow. and that is the game. I don't have Tim Allen on in the queue right now for obvious reasons, but as we start the Gene Wagner Plumbing Baseball postgame show in just a minute, it is going to be a fun one for you, Sam. I don't envy you. You are going to have to be right there with Tim. Uh, 5-4 final, Matt Bush, wild pitch, loses the game for the Brewers. They are swept in Pittsburgh. Okie dokie. And on that note, I am off to Houston, Texas. I will be back on Wednesday. Hopefully the Brewers do not get swept by the Reds at American Family Field this weekend. If you are going to be out there for the big celebration, I uh, bid you the fondest of good lucks. You might need it. I'm AR Adam Roberts. That's Sam Schmidt. Sparky's Midday Madness. Kevin Holden will be uh, hanging around, not for the afternoon show, but to listen to a probably irate Tim Allen. Coming up next here on the Gene Wagner Plumbing Baseball postgame show after the last pitch, you make the switch right here at 12.50 a.m. The Fan. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with h track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend, or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. 